podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, afternoon, evening. I guess wherever you are while you're watching this. Uh, welcome to um, one of two playoff episodes that we're dropping. Uh, I'm hoping that by the time you're listening to this, you would either have listened to the Western Conference one or have plans to do so. Uh, before we get into all that, let me go around and introduce who I've got with me today. Uh, Sai, how you doing, mate? Not too bad, bro. Not too bad. Good, good, good to see you. Obi, how's it going? I mean, yeah, you're wearing the Knicks gear. You're nowhere near the playoffs, so... It, it's... Bro, I was <laughs> going to say, this is hilarious, bro. Uh, obviously, me and Sai getting ready, got our little clobber on. <laughs> Obi's just done it anyway. Fuck it. Yeah, man, why not? Yeah, I've got a top just because I had it lying around. Um, I respect to Obi. You're, you're loyal to the soil. Uh, obviously, Yas reminding us that the Celtics have got 17 of them things in the background. How are you doing, Yas? Jimmy, just around. And obviously, my guy Isaiah is still waved at the moment. So, I'm trying to oh, just, damn, man. Trying he, to just he, rip for him right now. He's really unlucky, but we'll talk about that on another pod. Um, another this pod, is like, Yeah, as I said, this is uh, one of two playoff pods that we're dropping today. Uh, for those of you who are new to this, uh, the NBA playoffs are everything, really. Um, it's a bit different this year because of the bubble, so the players have never started uh, in August, mid-August at that. But I'm looking forward to it, essentially, how it works is uh, the teams play throughout the 82 regular season games, and then they are seeded based on how well they do in the season. So the playoff series, the best team plays the uh, eighth team. Obviously, they worked hard to come first, so they get the benefit of playing supposedly the weakest team to make the playoffs. Second plays seventh, third plays sixth, fifth plays fourth, and they go through the rounds until one team emerges as the best team in their conference. The best team in the Eastern Conference then plays the best team in the Western Conference. Us guys today are going to be talking about the Eastern Conference. Uh, and we're going to start with you and your uh, Celtics. Yes, take us away. Tell us, tell us why it's coming back home. <laughs> Do you know what? I've got, I've got a lot to say just about this first series. I don't even want to get ahead of this first series, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think we've looked, we've looked good in the bubble. I think we had a few games where we just didn't cover ourselves in glory, namely Miami Heat, but then looked fantastic against Toronto. Um, good against Portland, even if the defence wasn't great. But I think this was the matchup we kind of all feared a little bit as Celtics fans, but at the same time really wanted just because of the rivalry. Um, yeah, I mean, I still remember, if anyone just wants a little bit of history, I still remember two years ago there was Confetti Gate. I don't know if anyone remembers Confetti Gate. I have no love lost for the Philadelphia 76ers. I despise them. I hate Joel Embiid. I think Brett Brown is a joke, man. Like, I have no time for them. Confetti Gate was two years ago, I think, game three. We were 2 0 up in the series. We were in Philly. Um, one second left, about thereabouts, maybe a bit less. Bellinelli hits a three. Oof, the confetti comes out. They've gone through as they were two down. Everyone's going mad. But his toe was on the line, so it was two. So they've launched confetti into the arena. Realize they haven't won. People start walking to the locker room, like, oh, what? Whoops come back out, takes about 15, 20 minutes to clean all this confetti off. And then we beat them in overtime. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, still, I'm still both annoyed and laughing at that fact. So, um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't like Philly at all. Um, but at the same time, I, I alluded to it a little bit. This past off-season, they offered way too much money to Al Horford. 
who was one of my favourite Celtics, to be fair. They offered him about 27, 28 million for an ageing guy. What seems like just so we can't guard Embiid out of games, right? Um, so that's that's my issue with this with this um, with this series is is Embiid essentially. Um, they actually after the Hawford signing, with us losing our Embiid blocker, they do have the the record on us this year. So they're three and one against us in the regular season. A um, couple of those games maybe don't tell the whole story. One was a season opener, um, and then one of their wins came without Embiid. So that's not really any indication about how the playoffs are going to go. But in the games with Embiid that I think are more indicative of what's going to happen. The first one, he smashed us up for 38 points, got to the free throw line 14 times because we're just unable to guard him because we don't have the size. I alluded to it a little bit um, previously when Obi asked me last week what series I'd like. We just don't really have the size to guard him. Um, and so all of our centers, Tice, Daniel Tice, German center, who is really, really good role player, but undersized for a center. He gets into foul trouble against him. Um, Ennis Cantor is probably our best bet size-wise, but not a great defender, as any regular NBA fan will know. He's made a career off offensive rebounding. We'll, we'll see if he can do something. I think I'm probably most excited about Rob Williams, um, Time Lord, getting that name famously. Time he Lord. Overslept. <laughs> he overslept on his first day as a Celtic after like that one. college issue. <laughs> um, but he wasn't late. He was just bending time. Now, he's he's a G. Um, I love him. I think he's he's probably one of my favourite bench players. I think Rob Williams could be amazing. Um, he's got amazing leap. His dunks are vicious. He's a really good passer for a big man. But again, defensive reads, not quite filled out. I think he could get into foul trouble against Embiid. So that's a worry, um, Embiid in general. But then if you if you flip to the next next game that I was looking at, I actually rewatched it in prep for today. Um, it was when we beat them, I think 116, 109 at the Garden. Uh, limited Embiid to, I think, 11 points. Went to the line nine times. He only got one field goal in the whole game. He got absolutely battered. His mentality, which is famously on and off, was not there whatsoever. Um, we had a good little routine of putting a different center on him every now and again so no one got into too much foul trouble but also where it gave me the most confidence was on the other end so really significantly Ben Simmons is out of this series now now Ben Simmons is a little bit of a running joke because of his shot but he is probably really key to this Sixers defense of Horford and B Simmons three massive guys who are good at defending on the perimeter and in the paint, can, they're hard to score over. And then when you look at our wing rotation in Brown, even Hayward, but most importantly, Jason Tatum, I'm cool with them going up against Embiid. I'm cool with them going up against Horford. I think losing Simmons is really, really big for them in terms of just defending Tatum. In the last game um, in February before lockdown, we raced out to, I think it was 22-8 and eight lead in the first six, seven minutes. Tatum was just all over them. He was too quick for the bigs. He was too long and too big for the for the wings that they had. Um, and it gave a real indication about how if we do play good pace and space basketball, moving the ball quickly, getting shots off early, which I know Brett Brown is alluded to being more concerned about um, after their win over Houston, I think we've got a really good chance. It's just a really weird, weird series that could go either way depending on I think depending on those two, Tatum and Embiid, I think they're probably the hardest to guard for each team. I think our luxury is that if we can trap Embiid, double-team Embiid, he'll 
resort to a lot of turnovers, a bit of sloppy play. Maybe Marcus Smart can rile him. Um, whereas if they double team someone like a Tatum, we've got Jalen Brown. If they double team Jalen Brown, Hayward's in good bubble form. If if Kemba Walker can get free of stuff, then he can he can get at them from from distance. Um, yeah, I'm I'm relatively confident, but I just there's this the Embiid factor, man. It's the Embiid factor. I think. How many games do you see it going? This is the thing. I think if we get too ahead, if we get too early wins, I think we're comfortable. But I think, I think a lot of it rests on Embiid's mentality and how regularly he can play at his most dominant, right? And I think the longer he's left in with a chance of beating us, because he doesn't like us either. He dislikes us massively. Dislikes smart. He dislikes our record against him previously. He doesn't like us. Um, Let's say it's a 2-1 or a 2-2. I think that would be that motivation he needs to go out and be dominant again. If we're 2-0 up, I can just see him flaking. And he is really the only fear I have from them. Their, their perimeter shooting's got better. This is the weird thing about the Simmons absence. It's like, yo, it helps us on our offense. I don't think... I think them losing him is massive in terms of guarding a Tatum or a Brown. But now there's always been been a debate about get rid of one of Simmons and Embiid and they're a more cohesive team and already they have looked decent with just Embiid and Korkmaz um is it Richardson Harris uh even Alec Burks as a six man just coming in and rate draining threes I think I think it's gonna go for a while um I think it could go I think Celtics in six if I'm gonna make a prediction um but I really think a lot of it will be decided in the early games. I think if we go two up, I'm confident. I think we're good. Um, but I think if it, if it was one, then them, then us, then them, I could, I could see Embiid just having that extra bit of motivation to see it out. Is Embiid actually fully fixed? I know he had the ankle injury a couple of days. Yeah, ago. and, he's, and he's ha- his, I think his ankle's fine. I think he had a little bit of a hand problem two games ago, and that seemed to be bothering him a little bit against Houston. But... Um, I think he's as fit as you ever are for a playoff series and that everyone has a few knocks here and there. Like, and we've got our, like Kemba's not, not still on a minutes restriction pretty much. He's had a knee problem. Like everyone by, this has time, by this time of the season, everyone's carrying some sort yeah, of... Yeah, and I think the rest will have helped someone like Embiid, even though his conditioning and his, his attitude has always been sort of labelled as not tip-top. You only have to look at the Toronto series last year to see that when he's on it, he's on it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it it's all relies on that guy, man. And I'm just lucky that he hasn't got this killer mentality that someone like LeBron has. Because if Embiid had that mentality to go with what he can do with his size and his ability in the post, we'd be fucked. But luckily for us, he's a joke, man. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look, for, I look forward to that series. Um, Obi, let's talk about who you're... Ni- Sorry. Let's talk about... <laughs> let's just talk about what series you're watching. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, <laughs> I've got the Pacers versus the Heat. So um, the Pacers finished fourth in seeding. Heat finished fifth. I think a lot of people have the Heat as like maybe like dark horses to kind of come out of the East because obviously love the Heat, Obi. I love the Heat. <laughs> they got um, Jimmy Butler. They got Bam Adebayo. Um, they've got really good like catching shooters. So they I think they no they're second in three-point shooting percentage this season. I think they've taken up like, the eighth most or seventh most or something like that. So that's something to watch out for. I think like one of the key things for the Heat is that they've got Bam to defend Yanis. Obviously, if he gets that far, and he's quite good at defending him in that aspect if they were to 
come out that way. Um, but then obviously you've got the Pacers who in the bubble they went six and two, so they're in like pretty good form, I would say. Better than the Heat. The Heat are three and five in terms of form. Um, they played each other once each in the bubble. Uh, they both won one game, but the last game that they played, like neither of them had any starters out. I think it was just Brogdon for the Pacers and I think it was just Kendrick Nunn for the Heat. So it's not really, can't really take much stock into that. Um, for this series, really, I think the key is if Jimmy Butler can lead, because obviously he's got a couple of young guys, he's got Kendrick Nunn and he's got Tyler Hero, I think, who are rookies, um, but they've done well. I think they've both got like averaging 14 points or something like that. So I think his key is to probably to play make and get the ball out to them on the, on the perimeter and see if they can shoot. Um, the Pacers have pretty good perimeter defence. I think they're fourth in the league in terms of three-point percentage for the opponents. Um, but they haven't got Sabonis either, so that's probably a pretty big loss for them. I think if they did have them, I might favour them in seven games. But as I'm leaning towards it now, I would say I have the Heat more favoured. Um, How many games do you think it's going to go? I think six. Okay. I think six. But I think it's also dependent on whether or not TJ Warren can keep up his scoring form because obviously he's been <laughs> he's averaging like 30 in the bubble. But Can. the thing is, him and him and Jimmy Butler have priors. So I don't know if anyone's seen like the, uh, yeah. them getting into it. I think yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure when it was. A few months ago, maybe. Um, so I think maybe because Jimmy's got that sort of character, so he's going to try and get into your head. So it depends on whether or not TJ Warren's going to let him, you know, cycle him kind of thing. Um, if I had to put money on it, I, w- I imagine Jimmy's going to be defending TJ Warren as well. So Same. Jimmy Butler's definitely want that matchup. Yeah, he's going to want to shut him down. Yeah, I got to say, Obi, I think you're giving the Pacers too much credit, mate. Really? <laughs> I do. Do you know what? I'm, I'm a Heat fanboy this year. I don't know why. I just love them, and I think mm. I, I see a sweep there, man. I really, really? do. I think yeah. I think the Pacers are good, but I think the Heat just they're shooting. Mm. So their they're little pick and roll, not even pick and roll, it's like a weird two-man game of Bam and Duncan Robinson. And sometimes Jay Crowder gets involved just at the top of the key. It's yeah. really hard to guard. They can switch up their defensive scheme so quick. Like, Jimmy will want to fuck TJ Warren's series yeah. up. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, I, I, I love them. I think they're great. That's fair. I think the things I, I like the places, I think they've got some... But the thing is, I think they haven't got many, like, X-factor players, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, the Heat, they've got Jimmy, who can go off at any minute. They've got uh, Bam Adebayo, who's, I think, one of the candidates for most improved this year. I think he could go off at any minute. I'm real, yeah. yeah. No Sabonis then, as well for the Pacers. Yeah, how, exactly. how's, how's Oladipo looked? Because I haven't he's seen He's been enough. okay. I think he's averaging 16 points in the bubble. I think he's played six of the eight games. He's shooting okay, I would say. Um, I think I was listening to a Pacers podcast the other day, a bit of research. And um, they were saying that if Oladipo can be, is the secondary scorer on the team, then he'll be much better than if he's the primary scorer. So if TJ Warren is putting up, putting up numbers, then Oladipo is more likely to shine. If you're relying on Oladipo coming back from this injury, um, just coming into form, then the Pacers will probably struggle. So I'm curious to see what he's going to do. I think they've got some good pieces off the bench as well. I know... Um, TJ McConnell's decent off the bench, decent shooter. Doug McDermott's a decent shooter, former Nick, by the way. Um, so I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> the Nick's so only involvement. <laughs> does, does that mean you're supporting um, you're supporting the Pacers then? Uh, maybe the Mavs. 
I don't know. I'm here for the vibes, really. He's <laughs> <laughs> here to enjoy things. Yeah, man. I don't club. think you're the only New York uh, Bay fan here for the vibes, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll, get, we'll get to that, yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I fancy, the, I fancy the Heat, to be fair. And I think, uh, do you, any of you know who they would come up against if they win the series? Who's there? Who would the next matchup be? The Bucks. The Bucks. So that would be interesting. I'd be really interested to see that series. Um, Definitely. But yeah, like the Heat, they've got good pieces as well. Like Jay Crowd, obviously, like you said, Goran Dragic. They've got a lot of experience. Like Iguodala as well. So like good defending as well. So, but I think, I do think the Pacers will push them, to be honest. But I think it's also, it's very dependent on TJ Warren keeping up his, keeping up his scoring form. Of otherworldly shooting. Yeah. yeah. But this is the um, thing, and especially for new listeners, like playoffs, I said it in the Western Conference pod. Is seven games. So if there is a threat, you zone in on that threat. Like, how likely do you think CJ Warren's going to be able to do this? Because okay, it's one thing doing it in these games in the bubble where everyone's just sort of going game to game. But if the if the Heat are able, like, don't forget they've got one of the most experienced coaches in the NBA, the Heat, yeah. in Eric Spolstra. Yeah. So he is going to lock in. Like, do you think it's sustainable for Warren to do that? Um, <laughs> and obviously, because he's got Jimmy Butler defending him, I think he played when they played against the Heat in the first game in the bubble, I think he only got 12 points. So that might be indicative of what's going to happen in the series. Red flag, red flag. Yeah. I hope not, because obviously it'd be pretty interesting if he could keep it up. I think they're much more likely to get a chance. I think they have to... Miles Turner as well, who plays centre for the Pacers, I think will have to have big games. Because obviously if you've got a probably guard at the bio, or you have to try and keep him honest, um, stop him from getting to the rim, that kind of thing. But he loves to shoot threes as well. So it depends... Whether or not I hate centers who shoot threes, by the way, but it depends though, depends whether or not he wants to. Yeah, Turner's decent from three though. Turner's... Yeah, but I just don't like it. Do the purist, in didn't he? He came up on Patrick <laughs> Ewing and all that, man. So yeah, he wants yeah, his center in the paint, man. Yeah, man. Bang down low in that. But like, <laughs> it, yeah, I think it just depended on the matchups, really. And I think that he have the better players. Um, they have more experience. And I think they'll go, they'll go far, to be fair. I'm curious. To, I think they will beat their. They'll beat the Pacers in six, I think. And then I reckon they got a sneaky chance to beat in the Bucks as well. Obviously, we can talk about that when when the Bucks <laughs> smash the uh <laughs> smash the magic. Cool. <laughs> um I mean Yas has already alluded to it, Sai. Um you're repping, you got the best Sai top, you got the you got the projects in the background. Um tell us why this isn't gonna go longer than four games. So, um <laughs> bit of background. Obviously, these these two are actually real rivals in a similar fashion to the Celtics and the 76ers. Obviously, pretty much the whole Eastern Conference is represented by the Atlantic Division. Um, and I mean, these guys have played each other four times this season, so they know each other well. Uh, the Nets did actually win the last time they met. Um, I don't put too much stock in it because of the fact that the Nets possibly have the most depleted roster in the entire NBA at the minute. Um, it's what happens when you trade your culture for superstars, mate. You know, just <laughs> I'm not bitter I mean, about Kyrie or nothing. I mean, to be to be to be perfectly honest, the, the the craziest thing is they've maintained the culture in spite of having two superstars and two guys that haven't played the whole season. So it's it's quite an interesting one. I think if anyone tuned in last year to the playoffs when the Nets met uh, the 76ers in the first round, it was a really competitive series, despite the fact that. Obviously, they got overwhelmed by Embiid and Simmons and 
all of those guys. But the Nets play a brand of basketball that translates particularly well to to these type of matchups because it's all going to be about hustle and energy and ball movement and team basketball. So without any super superstars on either side, uh, all respect due to Siakam, he's not quite quite that elite level yet. It's going to be more competitive than people anticipate, but there's still a chance that the sweep will occur. A um, bit more context, obviously, Masai Ajiri is uh, the GM over at uh, Toronto. And in 2014, they met in the playoffs and in front of Jurassic Park, which for me was going to be the uh, Raptors X factor in this playoffs, in this playoffs, if Corona never happened. Um, he stood in front of thousands of people and said, fuck Brooklyn. So there is real, there is real heat here. What, what, so, what's his beef with you guys? Though? Um, you turn I just, him down for a job or what's going on there? I mean, as, as, as I mentioned, they play in the same division and they meet each other a lot. And I think at the time, um, this was around the time where the Nets basically sold their soul to the devil, got uh, an aging Kevin Garnett, an aging Paul Pierce, and basically just blew up their future in order to try and win now. And I think for someone that, like Jerry, we got Brown, and, we got Brown, and I think maybe Tatum out of it. So cheers. <laughs> don't, don't worry, man. We got Kyrie, and that's getting us a chip, mate. Um, I'm curious to talk about that. Wait, we'll, we'll, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe not this pod, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it is quite. It is quite a context-ridden uh, series. Um, even within within the um, games that they've played this season, we've seen some real weird, anomalous numbers from the likes of Siakam and Carl uh, Lowry. Like Siakam, this season has been pretty damn efficient. Forty-five um, percent from the field, thirty-three percent from three. Whereas against the Nets in the four games that they've played, he's had twenty-two points, so he's got got his points. But he shot thirty-eight percent from the field and 25% from three. So it just shows that... For Why do you think that players, is? What, is, it the, is it the bodies you're throwing at him or has he just had bad nights? Or what do yeah, you think it the, is that you're doing? It's the style of defence. Um, there's not one discernible great defender on the whole entire Nets roster at the minute, um, especially given the fact that the roster is literally a shadow of what it was during the regular season. What about, what about Alan? Alan fit? Alan, good Alan is fit. Alan is fit. Um... Obviously, Siakam will be guarded primarily by wings just because of how much time he spends on the perimeter driving in. Um, but I think, I think having a body like Allen in, in the paint is always a deterrent, um, which can also be seen by Carl, Carl Lowry's percentages as well. He shot atrociously from the field, 32%, but he scored 38% from three against us. So it's, it is one of those ones where I think it's going to be there will be deterrence for them playing their natural game. I think it's going to be a lot more perimeter-based. And both teams are pretty renowned for playing primarily team defense as well. So you'll see a lot of different switches and a lot of uh, double teams and a lot of like weak side help and things like that. So it should be interesting. So um, just a quick one, just because you've talked a lot about the defensive end. And I'll, I'll be real, I haven't watched a lot of Nets in the bubble because, you yeah. know, that. Zombie nets as well, um, but there is sort of a benefit similar to the Spurs, really, in that 
look, we know what it is. We're rebuilding in a way in that it's, it's no loss to us based on what, what's going on. And so the Nets have called up a lot of role players, young players, um, and some of which have put up some really good numbers, by the way, as well. Like there's been some really good performances. Who should people be looking out for to take over these series? Like obviously you've got Karis Levert, who's sort of hitting his mid-20s now after some bad injury problems. He's a great player when he's on form. Um, and then you've got Allen that we've mentioned. But apart from those two, who else could step up in the absence of uh, Kyrie and, and KD? So, funny enough, uh, Levert, Levert, as much as he's getting attention now, has been slept on for the duration of his career. I think. So I, I saw been... Levert in the Barclays Centre yeah. a couple of years ago, and I had slept on him a little bit, and he was amazing. He was yeah. so good. It's, it's, it's a funny one for for the Nets at the minute because they've they've ended up picking up guys like um, Tyler Johnson, who they were actually linked with a few years ago and were willing to pay him close to the max to get him over and they, they missed out on him. Um, and he is firmly a shadow of himself in terms of production and things. Um, you've got guys like Chioza playing the point, um, who is pretty much an unknown commodity. And then you do have guys like uh, Luwalu Cabarro, who has played a bit part. He's coming at times during the season. I think he played maybe about nine games and looked a respectable shooter. Uh, during the bubble games, he's looked a bit more involved and you can see that there's a consistency there. So having him and uh, Joe Harris, the reigning three-point contest winner on the wings, is is a good option to have, especially given the fact that Levert will be the primary ball handler and there will be a lot of pick and roll actions with him and Allen. So that kick out will be there. Um, so it is interesting. It is interesting, but... It would be such a different series if if they had maybe one of the other starting pieces because we're going to be relying on guys like Garrett Temple who, for all intents and purposes, is not not really someone you want to be starting. Um, Did you sign um, Crawford? Oh, I was man. about to ask, have you given him any minutes? Didn't he bust his hamstring in five minutes? <laughs> yeah, he's been injured. <laughs> oh, no. What a shock. A man who's four <laughs> years old and hasn't played it in the year. Oh, what? <laughs> Who could have predicted it, eh? <laughs> I do think I do think it would be a blessing in disguise, to be honest. But it is a bit of a shame because it would have been nice to see a couple of J crossovers. Mm. Uh, I think the Nets have been hard done by man by loads of reasons, family and injury and everything. Because even someone like Dinwiddie would have just made a huge difference. Yeah, Dinwiddie, um, an absolute baller. Yeah, like, absolutely. He's, he's talking about slept on players. Dinwiddie is like could really go to a Midland team and and make them shoot up the, the rankings. I think I really like Spencer Dibbles. Sorry, for, for the Nets to win, what do you think has to happen? Uh, divine intervention. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a, a, an injury would make it very, very interesting, but I wouldn't wish that on the Raptors because I genuinely think they have a chance to make it out the East. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I guess it's me now. Um, there are many interesting first-round series in this year's playoffs. This is not one of them. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that, Yas. I appreciate it, brother. Um, listen, the Magic have played the Bucks four times this season, been in the same division, lost all four games. Uh, the average margin of those losses is a 17 points. So you already get <laughs> you already get an idea of of what we're what we're dealing with going in here. Um, they're a good defensive team, but unfortunately for them, I think um, 
even to have made this interesting, they would have needed all their players, and they don't have all their players. Unfortunately, Jonathan Isaac has, has done his ACL. It's the same knee that he injured in January. Um, so he was a good, good uh, young defender, one of the best young defenders in the league. He had the, he had the length, he had the strength. Um, he was one of kind of two Giannis stoppers that they had, along with uh, Aaron Gordon. He's their minutes leader. He's had a hamstring injury, so he's missed the last three or four games for them too. Um, I say if they both don't play, Giannis is going to run wild. Um, the Bucks are going to run wild. Um, there's literally no silver lining here for Orlando. As I was looking through the clips, as I was reading up, I was like, could it even be a gentleman's sweep where they get one? And it, nope, it's not even going to be a gentleman's sweep, man. They're going to get swept and it's not going to look good while they're doing it. Um, I think on the Bucks' side, um, for them, it's all about getting sharp. Obviously, we know their starting lineup they got. Bledsoe, they've got Matthews, they've got Middleton, they've got Giannis, they've got Brook Lopez. But actually, since about March the 7th, those guys have played about 20 minutes together. So I think from their perspective, Bud has wanted to basically, they've been comfortable. I mean, I don't think they're a team that's necessarily that stressed about if they were the first or the second seed in the, in the East, because they would have taken any of those weaker teams. And for me in the playoffs, you're going to meet whoever you're going to meet when when you meet them. Having an easy draw that gets you to the finals, but it's just because you play two really shit teams, doesn't really tell me anything about your team. So I can meet Miami in the finals, I can meet Miami in the second round. If I want to win, I have to get through Miami uh, either, either way. So, um, yeah, that starting lineup hasn't played very much together. And I think for them, it's just about getting their reps up. Obviously, they've still got the best defence in the league, but since they've come into the bubble, they've given up on average, about 10 points more than they were giving up. Their form in the, the bubble's been pretty bad, hasn't it? Yeah, three and five. Three and yeah. five in the bubble, um, the Bucks have been. But I, I think that's more because, obviously, Bledsoe, he had COVID, so he missed the first couple of games, and they've really eased him into it. I've also mm. mentioned that their starting lineup hasn't played much together. I think Bud has used it as an opportunity to see what his bench and rotation guys can contribute. Your Ilya Sovers, your DiVincenzos, your Hills. Are you guys going to be able to come into the playoffs and when we need you, and we will probably need you at some point because, you know, Bledsoe's Bledsoe. And as much as they need him to, 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 to contribute, I'm still very, very shaky on him. So he's used it as an opportunity to get those guys sharp, get those guys um, in the mix. Um, listen, I've, I've got very, very little for you guys in, in, terms, of, <laughs> in terms of this series. Um, it's a shame that Gordon and Isaac weren't at their best because I think between them, they kind of they held Giannis to about 38% shooting. They're the sort of defenders that Giannis doesn't like. They're kind of not too much shorter than him. They've got that good course strength. They can move their feet. So they're gonna keep they're gonna keep him honest. And you know, Giannis is used to he goes into you, you're barreling over, and he's just or he's just Euro stepping you one, two, he's at the rim, or he's spinning. So um Magic have shown that they are one of the better teams in terms of blocking off that paint area for for Giannis, but I expect him to eat. So for the Magic, they're looking at Fournier and they're looking at Butovic to do their scoring for them. Unfortunately for them, Brook Lopez, who's had a fantastic defensive season, and I think he's another player who's slept on. I mean, he's 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 done his time in the league, and he's he's been at Brooklyn, as you as you know, uh, Sai. Um, I've always been a bit questionable about the fact that he doesn't get very many rebounds for a guy his size, but he's been fantastic for the Bucks, and he's somebody that Vucevic does not do well against. Low field goal percentage doesn't get to the line against him very often, so I don't expect anything to change with a with a weaker Magic. Roster, uh, Fournier shoots well from deep. He's about 39-40% for this season. So I could see him having a couple of good games. 
maybe exploded for 20, 25 points. But really, listen, the Magic, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for your three and five record in the bubble, your wins against <laughs> your Nets, the Pelicans and the Kings. So probably three of the four or five sorriest teams that we've seen. Uh, <laughs> three of the four or five sorriest teams that we've seen in the bubble. Um, yeah, for the box. Like five and three record, man. I'll give you that. I'll take that back then. Two of the two of the four or five sorriest teams that we've uh, seen in the bubble. Listen, for the Bucks, it's just about getting sharp now. It's just about getting back into that top, top defensive mode where they're gonna be needing to make stops. I think for me personally, the Raptors defense looks better, even though the Bucks is higher in the in the rankings. They're looking to the win of the heat paces. I'm with you, yes. And with you, Obi, where I think the Heat are gonna are gonna win that series quite comfortably, to be honest with you. And I know you always they always say the regular cliche, we're taking it one game at a time. We're not looking past or they're looking past Orlando already. Man. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking past Orlando already. I'll be I'll be interested. I'll be interested how many minutes Janis even gets in the second two games if 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 it's comfy looking. But yeah, 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 yeah. I, I Has he served his one game ban already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said it was the last game. It was the last game. Because obviously he can't miss any of the playoffs. So even for a massive headbutt caught on every camera in Orlando... Still, uh, just still just the one, one game. Listen, then, man. Euros Listen. stepped into that and also. <laughs> just a, just a quick one, boys. Is it obviously this is the Eastern Conference uh, edition of the previews? Over on the West, there was a lot of lot of Clippers talk, and a few people were moving bullish about even that other LA team. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is there any? What are the chances of an, an Eastern winner this year? I think nah. higher than people anticipate. If the Lakers come out, I think they've got a good chance. I think, for me, the Clippers are coming out. And yeah. I think the Clippers, like you say, Sai, they're so deep. And again, they're just another team that just needs to build up. As long as Paul George doesn't get injured, they just need to build up their kind of rhythm with each other. I just can't really see past them. Who do you um, think then, Moreo, like, obviously they are so strong, but who do you hmm. think stylistically, Sai, I'd be interested, you and Obi, or your views on this as well. Stylistically, who do you think would be the toughest matchup for the Clippers if they were to come out from the East? Raptors. Raptors for me. Raptors play 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 the best defense. I think they have one of the best five coaches in the league. Uh, they know how to win. They're just a roster full of savvy vets who've been around, and they're going to get every single inch out of the talent they have available. And if there was a team that you the Clippers probably wouldn't want to see in the East, for me, it would be the Raptors. I think the Bucks, as great as they are in the regular season, there's just still something not quite. I don't there know what them. it is about them, man. I don't know what it is about them in the postseason, but yeah. Yeah, there's something like, missing there. Yeah, for me. Um, what, what do you guys think, OB and, and Zach? I agree uh, with Raptors, to be fair. I'm just um, waiting to hear the Celtics be brought up here. Like, I don't understand why. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I actually like the Celtics quite a lot. I kind of want you guys to get out of the East, but I just don't think you will. Like, not even to mention, like, people bring it up. <laughs> I find the, the Celtics and that. Yeah, they're good, uh, man. They're good lads. Good yeah, lads, isn't it? The East is pretty wide open. I think the, the reason I go with the Raptors over anybody else is the experience of getting to those to that mm. final. I think the Raptors have been a good team for probably about five five years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've been like pretty much the best team in the East for a long time, and it's not because of star power. And for me, that that's what that's what's important in the in the playoffs. As much as 
as much as you need your stars to show up, you also need your role players to do the business. Oh, and then you, you mentioned about getting that far side, like the experience, obviously they're called wireless and everything like that. And people put, I was, I was lucky enough to actually be in Toronto while that final series was going on and the place was mental. It was amazing. But people were going on about Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi. Yeah, cool. But the importance that Van Vliet and Siakam had in those finals games as well, they were immense. So that experience surely would have hardened them so well to games like this. I think it's interesting, but but yeah, not even a mention, lads. Cheers. I will remember that. that. <laughs> Worry me uh, because of the fact that I want G I want Giannis to be successful, but to be honest, he in the playoffs he reminds me a lot of Russ in terms of there's one there's one thing on his mind is to mm. drive to the hoop and be as dominant as possible. Mm. So would you say would you say his skill set isn't quite as rounded yet as it needs to be for him to truly be that dominant force in the playoffs? It's less to do with his his individual skill set and more the system they've built around him. Okay. I think that whole drive and kick as your primary uh, mechanism to get in points in, in, in the NBA is a bit of a downer for me. Open uh, looks, yeah. Agreed. So like when when we when we think of like Russ, oh, yeah, I've got that, bro. <laughs> when the when the ball hits his hands, you know what he's gonna do. He's gonna come off like a, a really tepid screen, and he's gonna drive hard to the drive hard to the hoop and look for the kick out. That is the one criticism maybe you could have of of Budenhaus is like similar, almost similar. I know it sounds rude almost because it's Giannis and boom boom, best team in the East, best record in the NBA. It reminds me a bit of the Nuggets in that. Regular season, you've just got enough around you and, you know, to get by. But when it comes into zoning in and locking in, and it's so systemic, the Bucks' offense, that I think the best coaches can, can do something Explo about it. Like Nick like, I, think, yeah. I feel like, it for me, the mid-range game, it, the playoffs for me is where it shows that you need to have that mid-range Jumper, you need Making to have that shots where shots yeah, shouldn't yeah, happen. Yeah, you need to have that. Because every, teams are always going to give that space up to you. They're going to say, we're going to protect the rim. And if your team like, okay, I need to get to the rim. Or we're going to just protect the, the rim and the three-point line. You eat in that three-point. And we saw it with we saw it with Kawhi. And I think even for LeBron, he turned the corner when, obviously, his jumper's still sometimes hot, sometimes cold. But for me, he turned the corner when his, his mid-range jumper became a bit more reliable. Like, okay, these aren't letting me get to the basket so much. I'm going to have to start letting... And then when you start making those mid-range jumpers, they have to honour you a bit more. And then you open up that path to the basket. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. It's very robotic and it can be a bit ugh, tedious to watch at times. And I think that will ultimately be their undoing again this season. I'm happy to be wrong, though. Because, yeah, I'd love to that. see him in the final. Who that, do you guys that have? Is what gives. That is what gives the Celtics and the Heat a little bit more of a chance is they do have guys that are proficient from mid-range and mm. can take bad shots, make bad shots, yeah. and close if they need to. So Tatum and, and uh, Butler are two guys that I do have faith in to basically cause an upset. Mm. But it's going to take it's going to take a Herculean effort to do so. So who do you guys have coming out of the East right now then? As everything uh, sounds. I don't know, bro. I think Sai said it like it's wide open. I could yeah. see the Bucks faltering. I could see Toronto just maybe not having quite enough. Mm. I, could, I I think we'll fall short, but at the same time, like I just the fact that we have four guys who could all score over twenty points quite comfortably. They have done for the majority of the season. 
And then even against like, okay, playoff rotations, you only what use eight or nine players, right? Like we'll stagger the minutes that we'll have two of Kemba Tatum, Haywood Brown on the floor at all times. And then our bench really, I've, I've been like, our bench don't score, but our bench is sort of becoming just Cantor, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, um, and Marcus Smart, come up, come on, stop, come on, nullify, come on, be a, be a pet. Even Shemi Ojale is like, played a lot. I think he'll be seeing some playoff minutes just as, as, a, as a big man to stop drives at the rim because he's been playing a few more minutes recently. I was quite down on us going into it, but having seen us play so well against Toronto, having just still some weird reservation about Milwaukee, I think... You're a bad matchup for Toronto. I think that the size yeah, of your are, wings... Man. I think, I think that would be the most interesting of the whole thing if we played Toronto in the, in the um, next round. I think that would be really good. But at the same time, I've got some bad feeling about the Sixers. So, mate, if I have to, if I have to be pushed, I think this might just be Milwaukee's year just because everyone else in the East is missing a little something. There isn't a Kawhi-led Raptors and there isn't a properly stacked Celtics. I think Milwaukee will come out. But the closer we get to it and the more I think about us, I'm more bullish on our chances than I was um, a couple of weeks ago, to be honest. I think it's going to be great. match with the Clippers. Because the more I think about us it, a lot. More... Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, man. It'll be interesting. I think... I think that this is the problem Brad Stevens has is in that he almost he did it with Golden State. I think he's now doing it with the Quickers. We go with we're so modern almost in that like everyone has their little draft philosophy. Ours is very much versatile wings, two way players can do a bit of everything. Um, and yeah, so I think we were always being designed as a match for Golden State. I think now maybe we're being designed as a match for the Clippers. The problem is when we come up against. And Bede and Horford and don't even get that far, right? It's like it's it's an awful one. But another thing for us is I think I think Gordon Hayward's due a baby and will be leaving for maybe two weeks, three weeks. And I think that could really hit us in terms of depth. I think people underestimate how important Hayward is as a little point forward, as a glue guy, as, as just someone who can be really versatile. So I do think the Bucks will come out, but um but I'd love to be wrong about that. Cool. Um yeah, I think with, with that being said. That's our East Roundup. Um, yeah, we're just going to be killing it with the content over these next month, six weeks or so. They're just so the, the NBA doesn't rest, man. It, it doesn't rest. There's a game on every night. Something. If it's not a game, someone's chatting shit. Someone else has responded to the shit that they're chatting. So I'm looking forward to it a, a lot, and it's going to be a pleasure to watch all of that with you guys, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Any uh, any other last words from any of you? No uh, go Nick, no no go Nick, Obi. No, nah, I was just about to say, when, when in doubt, <laughs> wait for the drop, Laurie. Obi, the drop, Obi, as the last word, which former Nick is going to get furthest in these playoffs now that they've Ooh. left James Dolan's dungeon? Uh, I don't know, Doug McBuckets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well not, not uh, Porzingis. No, you don't. You don't. Um... Nah, man. Who, who have they got? Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. nah. What, about, what about my boy? What about my boy Ennis? No, actually, yeah. Oh, I hate this kind of, but yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, wow. Most, we'll people have to do, do, most people we'll have to do a separate pod on that one. Why Obi hates Ennis Kanter? Uh, but with that being said, Obi, man, Obi, the Turkish government, Spider-Man meme. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't top that ending. All right, lads. Nice one. Peace. In a bit. Bless up. Peace.
Social Podcast Network.